Welcome to Homestand Sports. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney. On today's show, Leafs are going to pay Nylander what? 11-2-5? Over eight years? We need to talk. Oh, and we dish out our five statements from Toronto's 3-0 win in L.A. Jones, Bertuzzi, Benoit, they all get some love. All right, we got a lot to get to, so let's get this thing started. I'm Albert Vartanian, he's Justin Pooney, and this is Homestand Sports. And we're back, Justin Pooney. So listen, I wanted to start this show off initially talking about the Kings game. The Leafs beat them 3-zip. Impressive win. Maybe the most impressive of the season so far. But the lead coming out of yesterday was not the win over the Kings. It was this report from Nick Kiprios on the real Kipper and Bourne. There's lots of talk about William Nylander. Ooh. And, what kind of talk? Well, just words. It's trending closer That's- to... The Leafs and Willie getting a deal done is what I hear. Really? Yeah. You know, I've heard similar. And the general feeling amongst, I think, both sides is they'd like to get it done before the NHL All-Star weekend. The other belief is that it will be uh, a number that is over 11. Mm, so that's, that's good. Mm. 11 Point two five is the one that uh, is probably mentioned the most. Mm-hmm. Times eight. Um, when I heard this, I wasn't surprised whatsoever because when you look at what William Nylander's done this season so far and how well he's played, he's behind Austin Matthews, been the best player for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he's kind of been the most consistent one in a weird way because we've seen Matthews go through these kind of weird slumps where he kind of is not noticeable, but we kind of noticed William Nylander a whole lot. We certainly noticed him last night. Um, New Year, same problems for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You have to get this done. You have no other choice. This is what you're going to do. Um, we didn't talk about it in, uh, sorry, we didn't play that part of the clip when they mentioned that what they're going to do is what they traditionally do is they're going to backload it so the actual guaranteed money and money paid out is going to be less. So if you want to move off that contract later on, um, that is something that the Toronto Maple Leafs have the luxury of doing because they have such a deep bankroll. They're going to put all this as signing bonuses, right? And what they're going to do is if the contract, be, you know, Nylander's play dissipates as the contract goes along, it'll become easier to pay as uh, to trade. But when I look at this situation, they're backed up in a corner. They had to make this move. This is what's going to happen. Um, it's funny though, because when we broke for the holiday break, Albert, the next day or two later, I heard a report from Matt Murley, who's on Spitting Chicklets, saying that potentially Pedersen and Nylander could join Bedard in Chicago. And wow. then 10 days later, we're hearing that, oh, the Nylander contract extension is nearing completion. So I wonder if there's any if there's any validity to that rumor there. Um, and that put Bradtree Living and the front office and turned you know the burners on to get this deal done. But um, no surprise, Albert, the way he's been performing what he's been doing uh the money yeah it's a lot but for a guy like William Nylander that's the market value maybe even a little bit less because if he was on the open market and a team like Chicago they probably would offer him 12 million right but this is the Leafs you know doing what they have to do to keep a star player uh, in their dressing room right okay so here let me start with the Nylander part do I think he deserves 10 million plus I do do I think he deserves it on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Or do I think the Leafs should pay that? No, based on their cap situation. 
But he's a player who's playing at a top five level at the moment. He's recorded, what, at least a point in 31 to 35 games. His 50 points leads the team. The only players in the NHL more productive, Kucherov, McKinnon, McDavid, Panarin. All those players are in the conversation for MVP. He's on pace for 45 goals, 117 points, both career highs. He's got two shorthanded goals. He's playing on the penalty kill right now. At 11.25, you can justify that based on the way that he's playing. So far this season, there's still a lot to go. But when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs cap situation, it's just the same thing that's repeating itself over and over again. And I feel like I'm repeating myself over and over again. How can they continue to pay four forwards this much money? Heading into next season, the cap goes up to $87.5 million, which is not a big boost. And a cap bear, you got to be smart with your money. Uh-huh. Over the past 10 seasons or even longer than that, the Leafs have not been smart with their money. So next year, you got Austin Matthews. His new deal kicks in at 13.25. Then if Willie gets 11.25, he's on the books for 11.25. JT makes 11. He's a free agent. That's his last year. Mitch Marner, 10.9. You have four forwards making $46.4 million with $41 million remaining on the cap with 11 free agents on top of that. And you're going to need a goalie. And you're going to have to sign Tyler Bertuzzi. And look what they're doing right now with this current situation. Nylander's making an unbelievable money at the moment uh-huh. in terms of the cap for the Toronto Maple Leafs, $6.9 million. And they're still having to figure out what to do with the goaltending and chopping and changing and, and finding bottom-of-the-barrel pieces to make things work on defense. Is this supposed to change next season? No. The way You're I look big. at it right now, right, you have to sign Nylander because he's one of the best players in the league, I understand. That's one of the reasons why you want to do it. But it doesn't make any sense next year. Next year, in, ter- in, in my opinion, it's a complete wash. You're not winning the Stanley Cup. There are no teams in the NHL who pay four-plus players or just four players in general 10 million plus. There's no team outside of the Toronto Maple Leafs who pay three players $10 million. And Leafs have no success. You cannot do that in a salary cap era. You need to have some money to pay other good players to build your lineup. Look at the Kings. Okay, the Leafs beat them last night 3-zip. But that's a well-built team. Look at it down the middle. Kopitar, Dubois, Deneau. Leafs don't have that. They can't compare to that. They have a similar... We'll talk about it. We'll talk about the goaltending situation. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like this is just the same thing all over again. You have to pay the guy, I get it, but 11.25, what are we doing here? But Albert, that's why having an internal cap structure on your team is so important. And the Leafs don't have that. Yes, Austin Matthews is making the most amount of money and everybody else kind of filters below that. But there's no structure based off that. It's kind of like whoever's next in line slots up one more run. Because, you know, yeah. if, they, if they want to keep Mitch Marner, well, Marner's going to want to raise, and a raise for him is going to be, what, $12 million, Albert? Right? So when you look at Hold this on, situation... To quickly, sorry yeah. to cut you off, but for Marner's next deal, he gets more than Willie, right? You would think? Of course. Of course. He's already making... Well, right, right now, Marner's making, what, 10.9? If Willie yeah. slots in at 11.25, Marner's at least at 11.7, I think, maybe yeah. 12, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why... An internal cap is so critical when building your roster. You mentioned teams like Tampa Bay and you know, Colorado and these teams. They have an internal cap structure where, okay, this is our guy. Our, this is Nathan McKinnon. You are never going to come close to that, right? Remember, he was making the same thing as Willie, making that sweetheart money deal. Then he got paid. But again, he saw it below Rantanen and everybody else kind of filters below that. When you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, you mentioned it. They're in no position to be punting on seasons with guys on their roster like this. But the fact that they're next season, they're going to have to diamond change and get 
you know, dollar store value bin guys to fill at the bottom of the roster is not good. We're seeing what they're doing right now. They're relying on Martin Jones to get shutouts after shutout after shutout to win games. We're we're praising Simon Benoit for playing top six minutes. Albert, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs here. They have Stanley Cup aspirations, or at least that's what they tell everybody, at least that's what the media perceives them to have. This team is not good enough to win a Stanley Cup, and they won't be because they continue to have to pay their top-end guys, and it continues to mess up their internal salary cap. They have the money to build the rest of their roster, and that's why you're going to have to trade Mitch Marner at the end of this year. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Trade Mitch Marner at the end of this year. You have to trade with the, him. With the full full no move. That kick you have to. One. You have to be like, Mitch, we cannot right. afford this. But Justin, like we, we've talked about this before. It's easy to say trade, right? But if the player doesn't want to move, then you're screwed. You're stuck. There's nothing you can do. The players have the power in this situation. Isn't it interesting? When we first heard reports earlier this mm-hmm. year about Nylander's contract, what was the number that was being thrown out there? Nine and a half, ten Nine million. And and now it's up to 11.25 if you believe the report from, from Nick Kiprios. Yeah. So that means the Leafs blinked first. They're doing the, what the player mm-hmm. wants, as they always do. And now they're stuck in this position once again. Again, you can play hardball with Nylander and be like, look, this could, this season's an aberration. We don't project you to be you know, a top 10 scoring guy in the league. Um, but full credit to William Nylander. He came out this season, came out guns a-blazing, and he's going to make a whole lot of, of course, money. Dude. Contract year. Yeah, We've seen course. it before. I'm not saying he's just he that's the reason why he's playing that much better. It's definitely motivation. He's a absolutely. really good player. There's absolutely no doubt. There's no doubt he's going to be an all-star. He's probably going to finish close to 100 points if he keeps mm-hmm. up with this pace. He doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. He looks he looks like a fantastic player. But on this Leaf team, I just got to keep reiterating it. You can't pay four players that much money. You're going to have Tyler Bertuzzi who's going to want an extension. He's making 555. He's a free agent. Yeah. Max Domi, what are you going to do with him? Uh on defense, you're losing TJ Brody. It's clear the Leafs need another stud defenseman. That doesn't come cheap. That's minimum six and a half, seven million dollars for another really good defenseman. But I'll and then exactly- right, Martin Jones is a free agent. Who knows if Martin Jones is going to be here? No. You have Joseph Wall. Hopefully, hopefully for the Toronto Maple Leafs, he pans out. Right, he looks good right now, but still small sample size. And then Samsonov is off the books at the end of the year. So regardless, you're going to need one or two goalies, and you might need a number one. Where is this money going to come from to pay for these players? It's That's not going why. to come. It's it's not going to be anything special. You're not going yeah. to be getting a stud goaltender. You're not going to be getting a stud defenseman. It's just going to be pieces to make everything fit so these four players can get paid. So Albert, let me tell you that. Let me ask you this: Brad Tree Living goes to Mitch Martin and says, "Look, Mitch, we'd love to keep you, but for what your market rate is, we can't afford to keep you. Right? We will trade you to." A t- whatever team you want to go to that can give you the contract that they want. And that <coughs> right. allows the Leafs to maybe then package something up to get some reinforcements back, or if anything, just a clear cap space to build the rest of the roster out. That is the only way you can somehow not, you know, punt on a season or continue to just band-aid up the problem because we're seeing it. We've seen it other than last night, but we saw it over the holiday break too. You can't continue to do this because it's not going to work out. That is why you have to have that difficult conversation, Brad. You have to come to the realization you have to trade Mitch Marner. Yeah, that's the move. I'm with you. You got to move Marner. It's probably not going to happen. It's crazy to me. It's because we see this. The fans see this. And like we all become capologists. You know, we throw the hat on. We look at the cap. We're like, oh, this is this is what needs to happen. You have to think that these conversations have to be happening behind the scenes. Or is it just Brendan Shanahan going, no, pay him. 
We're keeping these guys. I told him I'm going to keep them. We got to keep them. I want to. I want to be a fly on the wall in these conversations with Shanahan and Tree Living and whoever else is involved to to try and understand how do they come to this conclusion? Because it yeah. makes no sense. You're not going to win. You talk about wanting to win, and and this this culture, this new culture you want to grow in Toronto. What are you talking about? It's the same thing that the last GM was doing. You're overpaying. Well, you don't need to overpay. Same president. They have to pay unless the guy's going to walk, right? Like, you can't even hardball Nylander at this point. It's like the deadline's coming up. After the deadline, he can do whatever he wants. He can tell us to shut the hell up, and he just walks. Yeah, he has the the Leafs right where he wants. He's been playing great, Uh, and he knows that as he continues to keep on playing like this, the price goes up and up and up. And if the Leafs don't want to pay him, well, I'll go to whoever the highest bidder is in the summertime. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, but exactly. the Leafs don't want to lose that, so they're going to pay him whatever whatever he wants, really. Okay, just quickly to end this segment, uh, Nylander was asked this after the game, and this is what he had to say. There's a report out there that you may be close to signing. What can you tell us, if anything, about how negotiations are going? Uh, like I said, I'm not going to answer any questions on that. The guy, you see him laughing? Because he knows he's getting paid. That's why he's laughing. He's like, you guys heard it. You guys heard about the money I'm going to get? Of course. Uh, he's he's going to have as many Rogers TTC commercials as he wants uh, once <laughs> this new contract kicks in. As many as he wants. Yeah, good for him. Listen, he's playing Unreal. I, 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 think, I think we both think that he deserves a, a significant pay rise based on the way that he's playing. It's just it doesn't really work with the Leafs. Okay, let's take a break. We'll do our five statements from the uh, Los Angeles Kings game. All right, so the Toronto Maple Leafs, they go into Los Angeles to play one of the best teams in the NHL, the best defensive team in the NHL. Mm -hmm. And just when we're all expecting them to potentially get dummied with Martin Jones in net after losing some some pretty bad games. You know what? The Carolina game wasn't bad. But you go back, you look at the Columbus results and how they played, and you're like, what the hell's going on with this team? What do they do? They go into L.A. and they shut out the Kings 3-zip in what was – I think you can call maybe the most impressive win of the season from the Toronto Maple Leafs. The other one I can probably think of is when they went to MSG and took it to the Rangers. And you're like, wow, you know, this team's pretty good. When when they're up against top-tier opposition, they play really well. It's just when they play the bottom feeder, feeders of the NHL, they can't get it done. I thought they looked great. They started off really well. The first line was buzzing all night long. They held Los Angeles to just 12 shots up until late in the second period. Then L.A. got uh, the power play, six shots, six saves by Martin Jones. Um, It was just a really good, tight, clean performance, and I think led by some of the stars, but the defense was great, Justin. Absolutely. You mentioned the fact that the Los Angeles Kings were the best defensive team in hockey. The Leafs looked like the best defensive team in hockey last night with that, that, you know, makeshift defense core. And um, what clicked in my as I was watching this, and I felt bad, and I know we're going to talk about this later on, but... Sometimes I wish the team played like that and, you know, sacrificed the body and block shots uh, in front of Elias Samsonov like that, right? Um, just the, And again, that gun goes back to confidence the team has in Martin Jones and since he's come in, just how well they play in front of him. But that team that we saw last night when they played defensively like that is a team that can cause a whole lot of trouble. They locked down the LA Kings. They played structured hockey, Albert. They, you know, they didn't allow too many leaky, you know, chance. There wasn't any egregious rebounds. You know, there wasn't any, they were in complete control of the game from puck drop till the final buzzer. Um, And I believe that is something that was very, very important for the Toronto Maple Leafs coming onto this Western road swing. You kind of figured that, you know, they're going to get a win against Anaheim and a win against San Jose. Um, 
But the really? game against, I thought so. Looking at their schedule, I kind of figured already kind of penciled in wins against the Ducks and the Sharks in back-to-back games. Based this on what game, you've seen this, hold on. Based on what you've seen this season, yeah. against Chicago, against Buffalo, against Columbus, against Ottawa, you yeah. think they, they they could just waltz into Anaheim and San Jose win those games? No chance. I, I looked again. I thought looking at the schedule, maybe I was a bit turkey drunk or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, a little bit too much, man. I, I I thought you know the Leafs would go in there and at least you know get you know, out of this road trip, four out of six points, right? Um, now they could lose one of these next two games and still get four out of six points. But yeah. this game to me was the one where I was like, I don't know, because, you know, they had the, the good show against Carolina after a stretch of tough games. Um, they still lost against Carolina. But then I was like, you know, L.A. at home, flying across, you know, cross continent, um, all that stuff. I was very impressed, Albert. And that's the one thing. Whenever I, this season I've noticed is what I least expect a, a good leaf showing, a good leaf showing shows up. I look back at the game against the Rangers earlier in December where they had that emotional game on Long Island the night before. They had every excuse in the book to not show up against the Rangers, and they showed up, right? So when I look at the this game, again, same thing. Like it's the first game of a road trip, really hostile environment in L.A. You know how important these games are for L.A. to keep pace with Vegas and L.A. But look. The Leafs played really well. Team defense was there. I was very impressed. All right. Once again, I have to uh, I have to give an applause to Brad Tree Living. After every game where Martin Jones starts and he puts up a performance like that, I got to give Tree Living props because when I saw him, when he picked up Martin Jones, we were like, oh, whatever, Martin Jones. He took Samson off to arbitration. We're like, oh, that's interesting. Ends up being the right move. Look who's the number one of the team right now. Look who's in the Marlies right now trying to figure out his game. So credit to Tree Living for, for putting this together. Mart, thank God for Martin Jones. And I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are probably saying the same thing. I'm trying to pull up a staff from last night that I can't really remember off the top of my head. But Martin Jones was spectacular once again. And he didn't really have to be that great. But he's, oh, there it is. He's the first goalie to post two shoutouts this season for the Leafs. And he hasn't even been up a month yet. That tells you everything you need to know about yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltending. It's been a disaster. Um, Jones was good. He didn't have to make incredible save after incredible save. Like you said, the defense in front of him, they were tight. They played for him. And I think that's the confidence that comes off of him. Uh, I thought he made two big saves in the second period. Uh, one serious chance in the slot where he stopped it. I think it was uh, a Brody mistake in the zone where he gave away the puck. Six saves on that PK that could have changed the game. Mm -hmm. uh, he just looks so much more confident in there. If you compare him to Samsonov, it's it's night and day. And I'm not trying to dog on Samsonov. I'm assuming and I'm hoping that he's going to get his game back. But right now, uh, this is Jones's net moving forward. And the players, you can tell, love playing in front of him. Yeah, no, look, like, confidence is such a big factor, not only for goalies, but for players too. And you mentioned it. When he's in the net, he looks so compact. He looks like he's in control of his crease. He looks like he's a guy that... You know, he's out challenging shooters, but he's not overly aggressive. He's in control. Um, and when we looked at Ilya Samsonov and we looked at that, he was never in control of his game. But that's why he got no. sent down. But when Martin Jones is in net playing like that, not only is he in control of his game, mm -hmm. but the Leafs look like they're in control of their game on most nights, right? They take it to the, 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 the team they're playing against. They took it to the LA Kings, a team that's tough, you know, physical. A Western Conference team like that, the, the Leafs took it to them. Right, and that's and that's what we don't really know or see much of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Them taking it to a big, tough team like the LA Kings, and they absolutely did do that last night. Yeah, throwing the body around too. Mitch yeah, Marner was man. throwing the body. Well, we'll get yeah. to that. But this is a scary proposition for the Leafs when you think it's January, mm -hmm. right? And the Leafs are relying on Martin Jones and Dennis Hill to be a net. 
right? And yeah. it's not a lock that Joseph Wall comes back and is their savior. This is the position that the Toronto Maple Leafs, the team that wins, wants to win the Stanley Cup, are currently in at the moment. It's incredible. And I, I can't believe they wouldn't tell LA and did that based on what's going on at the moment. But here's the question. We're recording this on Wednesday, January 3rd at 12.23 p.m. We don't have news of who's going to start tonight against Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, is it going to be Hill to be? Is it going to be Jones on a back-to-back? Uh, Keith was asked about this after the game, and here's what he had to say. You know, we, we obviously we want to get Hill to be up to speed and get, get him comfortable, and you want to give him an opportunity to gain experience in the league. Uh, at the same time, Jones has played lots of back-to-backs in his career, and if as far as back-to-backs on the road go, this is about as easy as it gets with the travel and two days off upcoming. So we got lots to, to talk about that way. Um, but certainly the way that it went tonight, uh, you, you know, is, you know, is, uh, is a lot better than us having to have a, a stressful night for the goaltender and, and rely on him. But I, you know, we'll, we'll, have the, we'll have the talk uh, with myself and, and Tree and, and, uh, and uh, Curtis Sanford and, and, and with Jones himself and make that decision. All right, Jay, if it's up to you, who do you start tonight? Hildeby. It's look, you got to get him some experience. You don't want to throw him in. What happens if, God forbid, Jones gets hurt or something like that, and you go to throw Hill to be into relief? You want to at least give him some type of playing time. Look, it's an Anaheim team that's really not going anywhere this year. It's the second on a back to back. You have again, people are insinuating that oh, like it's LA, you know, Anaheim travels not that far. You can play back to back. I don't know. Do you want to trot out a guy off after Anaheim as well? It's true. It's true. Then do you give Hill to be a, a game against San Jose, right? No, I, I think. Look, I think if he's up here, right, you might as well let him play a game, right? You might as well see what you got in the kid, right? You might as well get him some NHL reps. You don't want to throw him in there when you need him and he's not ready whatsoever. I think that this is something the Leafs should do. Just play him. Play him. What at the in the grand scheme of things, Albert? What's a Wednesday night game on January third against the Anaheim Ducks really going to mean? Right? It could mean very something very important for Dennis Hill to be when it comes down to it in something later on in the season. It could mean something like that, right? It could mean something. So play him, see what you got, get him some reps, let Martin Jones rest because as we just mentioned, you're gonna need to rely on this guy a whole lot. Maybe once Joseph Wall comes back, and further than that. Uh, no, I uh, see. I'm on the opposite. I wouldn't start Hill to be at all. They at least got to win some games. There, there's no. They're not locked into a playoff spot. They're only two points up on Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. You need to win these games. And, and I'm under what impression does anybody think that the Leafs can just go in Anaheim and win, based on what we've seen against Columbus and Chicago and these these bottom feeders? They for some reason they play down to the opposition and they yeah. lose these games. Martin cool. Jones has played plenty of back to backs in his career. Like Sheldon Keefe said, and I get what you're saying. Listen, you don't want to risk an injury. You want to see what Hildeby got. But the Leafs, aren't, they don't have the luxury of that. They don't have the cushion in a playoff position to do that. You got to go with the hot guy right now. I think you go with Jones, you get two days off, you go with Jones again in San Jose against his former team. I think that's the way to go about it. You don't know what you're going to get from Hildeby. If you listen to Brad Tree Living yesterday talk about Hildeby, he goes, we don't, he essentially said, we don't want him in this position. But he was forced in this position because of what with Samsonov, and it's not because they don't trust him. It's just because if you look at his past, he's never played at a high level for an extended period of time. So you really don't know what you have in Hill to be against NHL opposition. He's been good in the AHL, really good. One of the best goalies. Mm-hmm. I think it's two of the best marks for goaltenders in the AHL. 
But at the moment, I think you just go with Jones. He wasn't taxed too much in that game, similar to what Sheldon Keefe just said. And you're going to get a couple days off after that. you got to win games. There's, there's no time to take your foot off the off the gas pedal at the moment if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. The one point I want to say is you mentioned that they always play down to their competition. Maybe having an AHL goalie in there who's playing his first NHL star will get the guys going. Well, maybe you, you would better. think that, but look what they just did to Samson off. Yeah, well. Right? The guy who helped them win a first round, outplayed Vasilevsky. You left him out to dry. You expect him to step up for a rookie behind them? I hey look, you have, you have you have a lot of faith in this team, Justin Cooney. I'm and new year, them. new positivity. I know I do like it, but listen, you got to win games. It's it's far from a lock. They're lucky as well. The Leafs are very lucky that Detroit has fallen off. The Sens are an absolute disaster. Ooh. I don't know what's going on over there. Buffalo, another disaster. Three three teams that we thought would make a push in the Atlantic, no, yeah. and it's 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 the same old Atlantic is what's going on right now. You Absolutely. got Florida, Boston. The Leafs and uh, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who don't look great at all, but no, they got to win some games. All right, let's continue with the uh, statements from the Leafs' three-zip win over the LA Kings. Pooney, you want to talk about the Leafs standing up for themselves, dude? A natural reaction to a bad hit. Yeah, man. I uh, I saw a tweet. And I kind of laughed this morning. They're like, maybe Ryan Reeves did. Um, make an impact on the Toronto Maple Leafs. The fact that he doesn't play anymore for the Leafs or he's on uh, injured reserve that it forced the team to step up and be more physical. Um, I thought it was something along the lines like that. I thought that was yeah, pretty yeah. funny. Um, but look, this team is notoriously soft, right? They're soft like Charmin, as Kobe Bryant once said, right? I didn't see that last night. I saw a team that, you know, they stood up for their superstar. Well, after that hit from Pierre-Luc Dubois, they stood up. You know, Simon Benoit got in a fight too. You know, Jake McCabe stood up for guys. We mentioned the physicality we saw from the Toronto Maple Leafs was there. Do I expect it to continue going forward? No. As you, you said, um, I, don't, I do expect this team to play well during this California road trip, but I don't expect them to be physical and end up being the Broad Street Bullies from the 70s in Philadelphia. I don't expect that whatsoever. Um, but it's the thing. It's the perception. When the Leafs... When it happened in Boston with Timothy Logan and Brad Marchand, the perception continued and even grew that oh, same old Leafs, tired, you know, same old Leafs story where, you know, they're soft. They don't stand up for their teammates. They don't do anything about it. Well, I'm not saying that narrative is over, but what I'm saying is when you do things like this, it's a, hey, hey you come after our superstar player, you're going to, you might not get beat up, but you're going to have to answer the bell. And I think that's what a lot of fans probably just want is just, Somebody has to answer the bell for what they've done to the Leafs. There has to be some repercussions, right? And I believe that is what the Toronto Maple Leafs have always said they were going to do, but they never did. And you're finally starting to see glimpses of it. But the question is, Albert, can they continue this? That is what I really want to know. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But it definitely was a, a natural reaction. I can't remember who on the panel last night said that, but it was like the perfect term where it mm -hmm. didn't look forced. The yeah. first guy in was Mitch Marner. McCabe went in there. Benoit had two guys at one point. So, I mean, listen, it, it feels like they're they're becoming um, tougher and more aware of these things that are happening. Even if it's not, you know, the greatest hit or if it's a hit that doesn't really deserve a fight or a scrum, other teams jump in and do those things. And it looks like the Leafs are trending in that direction. But it's more of a wait and see as to what happened. Uh, before we get off this topic, I just want to touch on Simon Benoit. I mean, the guy's been pretty good. And yeah, yeah, I think he really is becoming every Leafs fan's favorite Leaf player at the moment because of what he does. I mean, he fought last night. I think Derek Englund is who he mm -hmm. fought. And uh, probably not the best time to fight. You're up to zip. You probably don't need to do it at that point. 
but a, a guy answered the bell and it was Simon Benoit. He's been doing that night in and night out. He looked really good. Five hits, a fight, second uh -huh. pairing with McCabe. Um, you would never think Simon Benoit is, is good enough to, to even play in the top six, but he's making the case that come trade deadline that he still wants to be with this team. And at the moment, I think over the past, I don't know what, five, six games, he's been one of the better defensemen. So credit to Simon yeah. Benoit. Look, that's it's the the perfect underdog story, a guy we never thought we would see at all in the NHL this season, um, playing a top six role and playing well. Um, do I think Simon Benoit can be a difference maker come playoff time or come later on in the season? I think you might have to start sheltering a little bit, especially when you're playing a team seven times in a 14-day time frame, right? Then you can get exposed real quick. Um, but he's been nothing short of admirable, Albert, and I think um, when I look at him, you like you mentioned, he answers the bell every day, every game, right? And that's all you can ask from a player with Simon Benoit's yeah. skill set is just answer the bell every day and don't cost your team and just play within your means. And he's been doing that. Um, and that to me is the sign of a guy who understands his role, understands his limitations in his game, and is comfortable in playing uh, a sound NHL game. And that's what he's been doing, right? Um, so Sheldon Keith and the and the coaching staff and Brad Tree Living definitely have some guy. Who can you know find a carve out a nice niche role potentially for the Toronto Maple Leafs moving forward? Even if he's a sixth or seventh man, now yeah. you know you can bring him in and he's not a liability. And I think that's what you want from those guys, and that's what you're Absolutely. getting from Simon Benoit. Um, where are you at with Tyler Bertuzzi? I thought he had a great game, and I he thought good, man. he's getting better. Sheldon Keefe has said that that line of Bertuzzi, Tavares, and Nylander has been their best line all season. He said that in the post game. Hard to argue that. I mean, Bertuzzi went up and down the lineup throughout the, the start of the season trying to find his way, and he's found a spot on that second line. And, okay, it's not really showing up on the score sheet. Mm -hmm. Even though he, he's getting points, he's getting his assists, he does everything else, right? Below the dots, he's great. He's physical. Yeah. He's got a great stick. Underrated passer, I think, too. And I just feel like in that game, you saw the version of Bertuzzi that would work so well in the playoffs, right? We saw what he is. did with Boston against Florida. Seven games, ten points. I mean, if, if he's getting those types of points and battling the way that he is, at 5-5, five, five, it's a great signing. I, I was waiting for the, the Tyler Bertuzzi and playoff compare line from Albert. That's what I've been waiting for for so long this holiday. Well, break. Hold on, Puni. Am I wrong though? Like, no, you're not. You're not. I'm just I'm just busting your chops about that because I remember we were giving out grades with the Bertuzzi sign, and you're like, well, he was signed for the playoffs <laughs> and stuff like that. Big Bert. Um, look, he's been playing really well, right? Ever since probably the beginning of December, end of November, he's been playing a whole lot better. Um, is he gonna stay long term? Well, Based on what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, I don't think so, right? Um, but what I do think Tyler Bertuzzi has done is he's found a line, he's found a group of guys, um, and he's found himself, right? He's playing the way Tyler Bertuzzi we know how to play. I'm not saying he's going to be the guy in Detroit that was piling up the back of the net with all those goals, but he's playing good hockey. He's setting up his teammates. And that line works. That second line, it really works. Yeah. Um, I like the energy they play with. I like the way they, they, they gain offensive zone. The offensive zone, excuse me, I like their zone time. I like the way they cycle the puck. I like the way that they play. Um, Sheldon Keith has something there. Now, how long is that going to last? Well, we'll wait and see, right? But I believe that if Tyler Bertuzzi could, you know, stay with this role with the Toronto Maple Leafs and continue to play like this, yeah, he's going to help out big time, right? And especially, you're going to need a whole lot of depth scoring going forward because you know that Matthews could score as many goals as you want, but I don't know if he's going to keep on scoring at this clip he's been scoring at. So you're going to need guys like Bertuzzi and Nylander and Tavares to continue to play well and step up. Um, 
I believe that he's got a better chance of staying than Max Domi because I didn't notice Max Domi at all again last night. Um, but that's a different story for another day. Um, yeah, kudos to Tyler Bertuzzi playing a lot better. Um, and I think that second line can really be a contributing factor for the Leafs going forward. Uh, I am worried about sometimes how they match up against top lines potentially going forward. Um, but I do think what they have right there is something that the Leafs should be um, happy about. Yeah, I think so too. Seven points in his last eight games, not mm-hmm. bad for a guy playing on the left wing uh, on the second line who didn't really start off the season that well offensively. And who else can uh, get a primary assist with just one glove on? You know, only Tyler exactly. Batuzzi can do that. Okay, let's wrap up the show on this one because obviously we took a hiatus. We get a chance to talk about this. But mm-hmm. uh, the other night, Sheldon Keefe decided to scratch David Kampf, send mm-hmm. a message to the team. There is no tolerance. We will not tolerate defensive issues, David Kampf. He came back into the lineup against L.A. I thought he looked pretty good. The fourth line was really good. I think they won their five-on-five. He was good on the PK. Look, he he gets taken out of the lineup against Carolina. One of the best PK guys. Carolina scores two goals in the power play. Last night, no goals on the PK. Is that because of David Kampf? I mean, a little bit has to do with it. But what I really wanted to see is how he would respond. And I... I thought he was solid. He didn't really notice him, and I think that's that's what you want from a fourth liner. Absolutely. I think you just again talking about Simon Benoit, answering yeah. the bell. You get parked in the press box after you have defensive issues. You're a bottom six guy. Defense should be your calling card. Um, and then you come back and you play really well. That's exactly the message sending that I ha- you can do with bottom six guys. Park their ass up in the press box. We look, you know, I have no problem putting you up in the in the press box if you're gonna not play your game, right? Then come back and answer back. That's what exactly what you need to do. Um, and I hope Sheldon Keefe starts doing that more with certain players. Like, I would not be afraid to park Max Domi's butt in the press box. Yeah. Listen, man, let's be honest. Scratching a fourth-line player yeah. sends no message. It sends to the player, guy. to the player, not the team. No. You think Matthews or Marner or Tavares or Nylander are thinking about that? No. Of course not. Keith has never done this. All of a sudden, he's scratching players. And listen, I think they said it last night, too. Um, I think it was Friedman who said it. He goes, you know, there are rules for different players. I think that's yeah. that's legitimately true. I mean, Marner made some mistakes last night. Matthews made some mistakes. TJ Brody was making mistakes once again. But there's no chance of Keith shutting down these guys. He's walked back on comments before. I just found it strange that the player he decides to send a message with is – is David Camp on the fourth line? Because he's a fourth liner. You can do that. Right? I understand that. But why him? You know, if you're really going to send a message and you want things to stop and you want your team to, to be focused and concentrated and on the ball and stay sharp, the guy that you shut down has to be in your top six, whether it's it's one of the core four or, or one of your top defensemen. Eagles the money. Eagles and money, homie. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. And Eagles listen, the money. who knows how much power Keith actually has in that dress room. Let's be completely honest. But that's a conversation. For another time, Poonies, with good talking to you again, buddy. Okay, that's it from us here at Homestand Sports. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Don't forget, we'll be dropping podcasts throughout the week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can find Homestand Sports anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. I'm Albert Vartanian. He's Justin Pooney. This has been Homestand Sports. <laughs>